SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. back in everybody our number two of the early line giving you the edge on sports grid dane martinez and my man the candle burner kevin walsh he's on air 8 a.m he's on air 9 p.m he's telling you what you need to make it a profitable day and he was all over nba game one of the finals the los angeles lakers get the job done 116 to 98 i believe yesterday kevin told you he was interested in LeBron. He was interested in LeBron potentially having a triple-double throughout the playoffs and that he was going to try it. And part of that Hmm. would be to lead the world in rebounding, which he did with 13 boards, 9 assists, 25 points. But really, Anthony Davis also was kind of the scoring story, leading the way with 34 for the Lakers. I got to tell you the truth, Kev. We started this show acknowledging that the Yankees and the Lakers were on at the same time. So when I Hmm. checked in early in the game, when there was like a rain delay in Cleveland, the Heat were up like eight in the first quarter, okay? (laughs) They were, right? And then all of a sudden, the next time I checked, I'm like, oh, the Lakers are now up 10 going into half. That's interesting. What happened in this game, Kev? Um, man, I don't think Miami knows. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Dane, it was 25 to 12. I'm telling you, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> okay? And then LeBron takes goes to the bench, by the way, when it was 23-10. So same still margin. And then they went on a run. And then Rondo was like, yep, playoff Rondo, the realest thing you've ever seen. Cash, dime, cash. What's happening? Dane, the Lakers won the first quarter. They yeah. won the first quarter. <laughs> We were because so I was I was on in game live with Mike Blewett for the show at twenty three to ten. The Lakers were getting seven and a half points for the wow. first half. For the wow. first half, game they were and up they at seventeen it. points at half. They took a thirteen point deficit, and at half were up seventeen in sixteen minutes of action. They just. That's it. Just Thanos finger snapped it, basically. Yeah. And ran the heat off the court. And there's a lot of other things that we'll kind of talk about here, some health-related for the Miami Heat. But if people are, whether it be to discredit the Lakers or try to keep it up as a part of their handicap, if the Heat are able to be a little bit healthier than going into their next series, no, look, Adebayo, Butler, Drogic, all were good for the lion's share of that run that the Lakers went on to almost wrap the game up somehow by halftime. Yeah, so here's the thing, and I agree with you, right? And it was it was amazing to see them get off to the slow start and then just completely blow past Miami in this game. Kev, at the very beginning of the show, when we were talking about mm-hmm. Reds Braves, Right. And we were like, is it possible that one loss can be more than just one loss? Right. You talked about how Trevor Bauer was talking about the gut punch that it was. 
I feel similar for the Miami Heat. Not only mm. were they up and then get blown out, right? But you mentioned some of it. Uh, Goran Dragic leaves this game, and they are saying it is a plantar fascia uh, potentially tear. We got to mm-hmm. figure out more on that. Bam Adebayo, who um, really has been an amazing force for this Miami Heat. Um, as we welcome our radio audience in around the country here, especially the mightier 1090, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh here on the early line, right? But Bam Adebayo has been so huge. You've spent the last month, Kevin, talking about the value of this version of Dragon, right, in this lineup mm-hmm. for the Miami Heat. And then Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle also, right? And he is the closer. He's the guy that's going to have to do it. I- Kev, I don't think it would be a stretch to say, with all due respect to Hero and Robinson, that these are the three most important members of the Miami Heat, and they all leave game one banged up. Um, Mm -hmm. This is more than just one loss, in my opinion, for Miami. So, first of all, this is the first time Miami lost game one of a series. So right there, that, you know, throws them off a little bit. They've not trailed in any series. And in fact, they went up 2-0 in all of yeah. uh, their first series. Now, here's the thing. Adebayo, x-rays, negative. You expect him to go out there and gut it through. Butler rolled Yeah, Drogic is the one I'm worried about, Kev. Drogic right. is the one I'm worried about. So the update on Drogic was the plantar tear. They brought up the situation where Joe Johnson had a similar thing, got shots, played through it. Was terrible, but played through it. Might Drogic be able to go through there? Play? We don't know how good he would be. I certainly would not be playing on him in the props market if that's the case. The biggest thing, though, for this Heat team, the questions that we were asking, how do they guard this team? The game one results, not very encouraging. I mean, the Lakers scored a buck 16 with their foot firmly off the gas pedal. I mean, this was a 30-plus point lead that at one point got down to 12 because the Lakers were like, awesome, see you in game two by the time the fourth quarter had rolled around. Understandably so. But Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero were hunted anytime they were on the court. We talked about, right? You can have all the wing defenders mm-hmm. in the world. We switch in the NBA these days. And if you're going to keep switching, then all of a sudden Duncan Robinson's going to be on an island. And Tyler Hero is going to be a game-worst minus 35 as they look to pick apart these matchups. Yeah, they're going to isolate the matchup. We do that in football, right? We see a DB that can't cover. Attack, attack, attack. It's the same thing. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And then, Kevin... We're contractually obligated to talk about Jets <laughs> Broncos on Thursday Night Football. So we'll do that as well when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here, right here on the early line, giving you the edge. Dane and Kevin, as always, putting the fun in functional sports content. And Kev... Going into game one, I remember asking you about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, right? Being like, those are the kinds of guys 
someone's going to have to step up. We know about a guy like Jimmy Butler. We know about a guy like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but in every finals, in every big time game, right? It's a role player mm-hmm. that comes out of nowhere, who plays above his head that we wind up talking about, right? You mentioned Rajon Rondo. We talk about what's going to happen if Drogic can't be that guy because of the plantar injury. So where do you go, Kev? Who are the role players that you'll have your eye on in game two so from the miami uh, heat side of the ball there was a couple of guys whose props stood out to me Drogic, admittedly was one of them the injury yeah. obviously gave you no chance duncan was a full fade he's not been good in game number ones of series you might want to come back to him in game number two crowder over two and a half threes hit in the first quarter the three-point regression was there for him to start this game Okay, Tyler Hero had a points prop of 15 and a half, was able to get there in garbage time. It it was not a great spot for him. It was the first series. Maybe he found a bit of a rhythm. Kendrick Nunn is going to be one to watch for people because if Drogic is out, his minutes are going to see an uptick. The other guy I will bring up was Andre Iguodala. His points prop Mm. was four and a half at even money to the over. Scored seven, some because he was out there when the game maybe didn't matter, but you would think his minutes or about 25 a game because they're going to try and throw him at LeBron from the Heat side of it. The two guys, though, that we had great success with and let people know right before the game started on the Lakers side, you know, you talk about the other guys. KCP's points prop was 9.5. Scored 10 in the first quarter. That's a nice first quarter hit. And he's had now double digits in 11 of the 16 playoff games that the Lakers have played in. And then Danny Green's three-point prop, Dane, over 1.5, was at minus 125. That same juice might not be there, but he has still been able to hit a decent number of threes for you and also got off to a very good start from beyond the arc in last year's NBA Finals. So when you kind of look at some role players to step up, the guards for the Lakers, uh, and then really have to pick your spots game by game with the Miami side. Okay, fair enough. And listen, game two of this series will be tomorrow night. We'll talk about it a little bit. We got a whole football Friday to discuss as well. We'll talk about it a little bit, but we will get into it. Um, The line has moved a little bit. We're up to seven and a half, I believe. The total has gone down a point. It is a big move, and I think the uncertainty around some of the Heat starters have to be a part of it. We will check in on that, but if you want it early, get it early kev i also remember telling everybody here on sports grid to get the jets early because i thought it was ridiculous Hmm. that they were plus three and a half as a home dog on a short week last week i said watch what happens when denver you know what happened with denver kev They decided to bench their QB2 for their QB3. And so now that QB3, Brett Rippon, on a short week, traveling to MetLife to see the Jets. This is a third-string quarterback, Kev. And at one point, they were laying points on the road. I think this is ridiculous. I'm going to tell you the way I feel about this game, Kev. And then call me crazy if you want. Call me a homer. If you want, one of two things are going to happen this week for the New York Jets. They will either get their first win of the season in a spot where I think they should. They are the home team. They're facing a third-string quarterback. In all likelihood, they'll get Jamison Crowder back. He participated in a limited practice. They may get a weapon back. They will either win this game 
as they should now, as a favorite against a third-string quarterback. Or Adam Gaze has to go. Like, if a QB3, Kev, on a short week can come in on the road and beat this Jets team, then there's no reason Adam Gaze should still be employed by the New York Jets come Monday. Am I crazy? No, I mean, that's the expectation. I mean, that, that that's the, the rumors that are circulating. Now, Ian Rappaport uh, had sent out a tweet that that's not what will happen, but we shall Remember, see. Remember, them winning the game is option A, though, Kev, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, them winning tonight is what should happen. I'm not trying to wish, uh, you know, uh, firing on anybody, but, like, if they can't win this game against a backup quarterback, against a team we have talked about being compromised big time from injury, right? Whether it's uh, Von Miller, A.J. Bouye, Cortland Sutton, uh, Philip Lindsay. If this compromised Denver team can come in on a short week and just ho-hum get the job done, then I've seen all we need to see. Yeah, again, I don't... I think the other side of the equation would be the crazy side to say, ah, give them more time. We don't know yet. Tough to to beat Denver on a short week at home when their third-string quarterback is in. No, like, that's... Yeah, that's the move. And And you have an extended week to... You know, work right. the interim head coach into the mix, Greg Williams, who does it again. Like, you, like this is like it. Yeah, no, that's. I'd rather a prop on Adam Gase's job than almost bet this game as it is. It's like I don't know how there's any other way that this can go for the New York Jets, but that's why, in typical Jets fashion, you have to like him to win the game to keep him around longer than necessary. Right. They have been installed now as the one and a half point favorite. This is a five point move from what started as the Jets as three and a half point home dogs. I wonder if the change from Jeff Driscoll to Brett Rippon is really worth five points. But we'll see. Um, there's been movement in the total also. This one started at 39 and a half. It's up to 40 and a half. Uh, You know, this is a dumpster fire on many levels, right, Kev? But still, let's get into the X's and O's on this. What do you expect to happen? Like, what unit do you trust here most? Do you think we can see something out of Frank Gore? What about the kid KJ Hamler, the Penn State product on Denver? Like, there's still fantasy props what are you doing in this game? And also, are you starting anyone from this game if they're on your bench in fantasy as opposed to Pittsburgh Steelers or Tennessee Titans that are out there? I mean, this is a game where there's no – it's all terrible. These are bad teams showing up to play a Thursday night game. Sam Darnold in his offense. Mekhi Becton is now dressing, not playing unless there's an emergency. What in the world is that? The Jamison Crowder update is he is going to play, but will not be 100%. What in the world is that? Like, Jerry Judy is seemingly now banged up each week, but we, we expect him to play in this game. My approach here is to look to play overs in the prop markets because all of these numbers are low, these defenses are both bad, and realistically... What game script is going to is gonna mess me up here on props? Like, you're telling me that Darnold can't throw for 240 passing yards and Frank Gore can't rush for 60 rushing yards? Like, that's far from a banner day from either player. 
You're telling me Brett Rippon can't throw for 215 passing yards and Melvin Gordon is able to give you 65 on the ground? No, those are not even really good days. These are bad defenses. My approach for this game is very likely to just play overs in the prop markets and hope that these awful offenses can be good enough against poor defenses. All right, fair enough. I mentioned the uh, Titans and the Steelers. That game has officially been postponed, maybe Mm -hmm. still Monday or Tuesday, holding out hope a fourth member of the Tennessee Titans did, in fact, test positive yesterday. And that, I believe, is triggering. You know, we still have to wait and see where this is, get these guys away from everybody. But the update on that is that Titans-Steelers has officially been postponed. So it ain't going to be played on Sunday. They are still holding out hope that it could be played as part of week four on Monday or Tuesday. There's all sorts of things to work out logistically, television-wise. But that's where that stands. A fourth Titans player, um, it was Camille Correa, did test positive. They have postponed this game. And I think discretion is the better part of valor here, right? We may still see it Monday or Tuesday real quick, Kev. Yeah, no, I, I, and right now the indication is that we will see the game, but the further you push it back, the more time you have to get more testing done and get, you know get a feel for what the right thing to do is. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, we bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. I guess he's going to talk about the Jets, but we have value this weekend. You know we love hunting for that right here on the grid. Come back to get the edge. The longest scoreless game in MLB playoff history. That's right. The Braves and the Reds went 13 before a team scored. The Braves ended up winning the contest one to nothing. Reds had 11 hits with zero runs. Braves notched in six. Atlanta now has a 1-0 lead in their wildcard matchup. It's all over because the Houston Astros eliminated the Minnesota Twins 3-1. Houston taking a 2-0 win in the series. Christian Javier picked up the win. Ryan Presley got the save. Carlos Correa hit a homer. Jose Barrios ended up going five, striking out four. Javier only went three, but didn't give up a hit while striking out two as he picked up the win. The Astros are now off until Monday. The Marlins beat the Cubs 5-1. It's been over 15 years since the Marlins had a 1-0 win in a playoff game. Sandy Alcantara picked up his first win of the playoffs. Kyle Hendricks took the loss. Homers were from Aguilar and Dickerson for Miami. Ian Happ hit a home run as well. It's tied up between the White Sox and the A's as the A's took game two, five to three. Chris Bassett picked up the win. Dallas Keuchel got the loss. Yasmany Grandal hit a homer as Chris Davis and Marcus Simeon both chipped in for Oakland. The Rays finished off the Blue Jays in an 8-2 lead. Hunter Renfro hit a grand slam in the game. Tyler Glass now, he went six, giving up six hits, two earned runs with eight strikeouts, picking up the win as Ryu, who also saw some diminished speed on his fastball early on, picked up the loss. The Cardinals with a stunner. Beating the San Diego Padres 7-4, Alex Reyes had a multi-inning save. Paul Goldschmidt hit a homer, Chris Paddock took the loss. And plenty of action scheduled on Thursday as the morning is filled with a couple NL games, the Braves and the Reds, Cubs versus Marlins, and an afternoon elimination game between the White Sox and the A's. MLB also took the timeout on Wednesday to announce a brand new plan for the NLCS and the World Series, which is taking place in Arlington, Texas. Major League Baseball said that they are going to allow about 11,500 tickets to be available at each game. That is roughly 28% of the capacity of the stadium. 
And over to the NBA, the NBA Finals officially kicked off on Wednesday, and the Los Angeles Lakers have taken a 1-0 lead in the series. They won 116-98. to LeBron James had 25-13-9, just missing a triple-double. Anthony Davis dropped 34. Game 2, scheduled for Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. I'm Chris Welsh, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We welcome back our radio audience as well from around the country, including the mightier 1090 covering the West Coast. Thanks for waking up very early with us. And if you've been watching this show, you know me and Kevin on Thursdays now. Love to bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, and we bring him in now. And Jay, I got to tell everybody, we call this show the early line, right? Sometimes we do segments earlier in the week called watch for the hook on places where the hook may appear or disappear and we talk about kevin and i about sometimes it's good to get your bets in early because it'll move in a direction and you hit us up earlier in the week about something happening in the octagon where it was like get this now because it's going to move and it has but it seems like you really believe in one of these fights coming up on Saturday night in UFC fight night with the ladies, huh? Yeah, I, yep, I do. Uh, Jermaine Duran me, Juliana Pena sent you guys the message on Monday night saying yeah. that um, I was on her. And if you guys wanted to back her with me, get on her around minus 110, because that I, I thought the line could legitimately move 75 cents, maybe more. And here we sit on Thursday morning, the offshore market has already uh, moved the launches 40 cents in Jermaine Durandamy's favor. So I think we're going to have a significant advantage in CLV here. And uh, that's why I gave it to my guys on Monday and obviously my friends like you guys on Monday. So, um, yeah, if I was setting the line here, I would have had Jermaine Durandamy in the minus 180 range. So I know that you can you could still get her around like minus 130, minus 135 stateside. Yeah, 138 at FanDuel, yeah. Yeah, so there's probably still a, um, a little value in the line, in my opinion. Or you can make the move to take her by decision at around plus 195. I think Payne is a solid striker in the pocket. Her footwork is average. Her stamina is par for the course in the division. Uh, she does have another aspect to her game, though. If she can get you down to the ground because she's a solid grappler, um, but her takedowns leave a little to be desired uh, with me. So on the flip side, Jermaine Durandamy, world-class striker in women's MMA. She was a next-level kickboxer, and her striking has really transitioned well to MMA. So people that are backing Pena in this spot are probably doing so because 
Amanda Nunes took Jermaine Duran to me down to the ground and basically kept her there for five rounds. But the reason I think that happened, yeah, exactly. I think it happened because of the level of respect that Jermaine Duran to me had for Amanda's striking game. Uh, She will not respect Pena the same way. And it should be much harder for Pena to get these takedowns. Um, And if she doesn't get them, I don't see how she hangs on the feet. So you could grab her around minus 138 right now. I, I, I think there's still a little value there. Or if you want to take the plus number, plus 195 by decision, uh, I don't think it's a terrible look because both these ladies are tough. And my guess is it probably goes three rounds. So minus 138 then still there on Durandame. So you said the value is still there. What does stand out to me, though, is you kind of mentioned going uh, by points. Will the fight go the distance at the FanDuel Sportsbook? Minus 152 to the yes, plus 120 to the no. Now, maybe those who don't often bet MMA would see that and say, oh, wow, they really expect it to go the distance. But I feel like for a women's fight, that's considerably lower than where we see that. So for you, this fight to go the distance, let's just say a, a better says, listen, I'm not going to bet until Saturday. They lose all the randomy value. But this fight to go the distance at minus 150, do you view that as a possible value bet as well on this fight? Yeah, I, I do. And the reason why um, it's that low compared to what we normally see is because it's the biggest division in women's MMA. These girls carry uh, the most power. And um, Jermaine Durandamy has put people down. So I think that most in most cases in women's MMA, if it doesn't go to the cards, it's usually by because of submission in women's MMA, I really don't see that being the way that this plays out because, you know, only the really heavy hitters normally will will KO um, a fellow women fighter. So I think, yeah, definitely probably some value on uh, the fight on, on this. Uh, but I, I just think that Jermaine Durandamy is probably the best bet even right now, at minus 38, is probably still the best. All right, fair enough. Hey, uh, Jay, the main event in this card is another woman's MMA fighter who's more of a brand name. The public knows her, and it is Holly Holm. And I see her, at least, with our friends and partners at the FanDuel Sportsbook. She is a favorite, but not a big one, at minus 118 against Aldana. How do you think this one shakes out? Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, intriguing. Not a great uh, main event by by any means. If not for COVID, Irene Aldana probably doesn't get that uh, main event slot yet. Oh, Holly Holm, man, has fallen down a long way from her historic championship win against Ronda Rousey. Since that Rousey fight, she's only won three of her last eight in the octagon. And she she has looked lost and a shell of the fighter that she once was. And to clarify that, because I don't think that her skills have fallen off, but her confidence seems really shaken, almost look like she fights scared. Now, I guess it's understandable 
Two of her last four fights were against Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. So she's probably had some nightmares there. But it's still an issue nonetheless. Now, she's still an excellent striker. She still has great footwork. And her stamina and boxing in the pocket are still really good. But if you go back and you watch that 2015 fight against Rocky Pennington at UFC 180, then you watch the rematch with Pennington five years later, which was a couple months ago. She looks tentative and unsure of what she wants to do in the cage. She still won that rematch. But I really don't like what I saw from her. Her opponent, Irene Aldana, really talented striker who is just starting to get the recognition um, that she deserves. She's been grinding away for a couple years, even though... um, You know, she has won five of her last six fights in the UFC. She probably fought her toughest opponent last time out in uh, Ketlin Vieira, who we saw last week on last week's card. And uh, she gave her the only loss of her career, and she starched her dead cold. So in a lot of ways, she strikes like Holly Holmes. They both throw a ton of volume. They both have excellent footwork, but one of them has power and the other one swings at air a lot. Irene Aldana carries some really nice power. She's seven years younger in the prime of her career. It just makes sense for me. And you can get her right now as the dog in some spots at at even money or like Hmm. plus 103, plus 105. So I'm going to take a shot with with Irene Aldana. I think she's ready for the moment. And um, at this line at plus money, I just think it makes sense. And, Jay, we know, right, when it goes, it goes in the MMA world, and Mm. possibly that's what Holly is staring at here. The question, though, because I I think that this is still on a Thursday, it's kind of good for us to know. Holly is still comfortably the more well-known fighter. This is a main event here. So as we get closer to this going off, do we think more people come in to back Holly home? Because I was surprised last week. People actually came in to back Blahovich as opposed to Reyes. Now, maybe part of that was just people seeing a big plus number in a title fight and rolling with that plus number. But do you think that Holly might get, you know, right now at minus 118 to that minus 125, minus 130 range, and we could even see more value on Aldana as the week continues? I I do, and I'll tell you why. She's not only the most recognizable name and face in the main event. It's that this entire card is um, it's so bad from a casual MMA <laughs> fan's perspective because you just don't know a lot of the names on, on this card. And she's the one name on this card that everybody knows. Nobody's going back to watch the fight tape this week. And, yeah, she she will probably push that line up. And you may be able to get Irene Aldana later in the week at plus 115, plus 120 as we get closer to Saturday night. So, I, yeah, I agree completely with that. AJ, I think that's a great point, and I want to ask you about that. We only got a minute, and I know you're going to stick with us. We got, I guess, we got to talk about the Jets as well, right? But is that for this whole card because it is not a public card? You're talking about watching fights and then watching rematches five years later. Is we try to give people the edge 
here on SportsGrid. Is this card a place where there may be more edges because it's not a public card? Like you're saying, it's the same theory as why people like mid-major college sports instead of the NFL, right? Maybe there is an edge to be had. Yeah, 100%. Kevin and I were talking about this earlier in the week, especially um, with, like, pay-per-view cards compared to really weak uh, UFC fight night cards, right? A lot of the times, people back these big names, and the line either gets flung away from you or comes exactly to where you want it to be, right? And on this card, nobody knows anybody on this card. Because I didn't know six. If, if I don't <laughs> if know, you six don't know him, Jay. <laughs> I mean, and, honestly, yeah. Jay, you were we were you know going through on our messaging and stuff, and you were like, I don't know some of these people. And I'm saying, if if our guy Jay the Sports Keg doesn't know, and yeah. he's in the basement watching film, then it's gonna be not a public card. And our guy Jay may have the edge. When we come back, Jay, <laughs> we're gonna ask you about another fight for that to happen. And then you know, Thursday night football. I see that jet sign. Maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. Too. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin, if you follow the show, you know we bring in our friend of the show, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, whenever we want to talk about a little bit of MMA. And, Jay, I think that's a great conceptual thing people need to understand, right? You're talking about it. We're almost laughing about the quality of this card, right? Holly Holm being the, the name brand value at the top of the marquee in the main event. But there's some people on this card that we don't know about as much. But that usually in the sports betting world creates value, right? Because we may be able to get an edge. And I know that there's another spot in this card, the Condit McGee, where there may be a kind of mismatch in class that you're on. Yeah, crazy, crazy fight. I never thought that Carlos Condit would be a plus money dog to somebody that has the skill set of Court McGee. But here we are. Now, personally, I think that Court McGee is a really good representation of the lunch pail journeyman of the UFC that we're never going to get the big paydays. They were never going to get the fame. They just do it to feed their families, and they love it. Now, he's a minus 130 favorite in the fight, and he literally doesn't know how to strike. Like, he never has because it's never been in his game. He's a guy, he sets a dog at pace. He wants to grind you against the cage while he works for the takedown so he can get his top control wrestling game going and ground the pound. That is literally all he does. The problem is he's lost four of the last five fights to really average competition at best. On the flip side, Carlos Condit used to be elite. Top five guy in the division for a really long time. Once he got there, though, he started fighting the very best in the world at that weight class, and he started dropping fights. So he was an incredible striker, a very underrated grappling game in his prime. And I say in his prime, but he's only 36 years old. So the dilemma you're faced with in the fight is he has not fought in almost two years. And he has lost eight of his last 10 fights in the octagon. But if you look at the level of competition, 
there's a built-in excuse for the bad run. He has lost to George St. Pierre, Johnny Hendricks in his prime, Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler in their prime, Neil Magny, Damian Maya. So those are some of the best names in the sport over the last decade. And even though Court McGee has been more active, I'm willing to take the chance that Carlos Condit is still a shred of what he once was. And, and I think I'm going to back him here. Now, I'm going to wait to see what he looks like at the weigh-in first. And the, mm. a lot of new UFC fans don't even know who he is because he hasn't fought in almost two years. So if they backcourt McGee and they continue to do so, and Condit looks good at the weigh-in tomorrow, then I'm probably going to push the button on Carlos Condit with, with, for one last time. If I were to play devil's advocate, and I'm slightly dating <laughs> myself here, but the last time Carlos Condit won a fight, I wasn't legally allowed to have a drink. So <laughs> if we're talking about Holly Holm and when it goes, it goes. I mean, might that just be the case here for, Car for Carlos Condit? Yes. Hundred percent, but <laughs> Court, Court McGee is just so bad, yeah. Kev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, you. You, you know what I mean? He's mm -hmm. just so bad. It's more of a. <laughs> it's yeah. more of a. We're learning things him. today on the early line. We're learning that Kevin is one of these newer fans that Jay is talking about that maybe has. I know guys. Carlos Condit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's been a long time since that <laughs> A long time, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, so here's what I want to do, guys. I want to get to a topic that I know Kevin and Jay will see the same way. Let's turn our attention to the NFL. And, Jay, you mentioned the power ratings that you do with your subscribers last week. You talked about how you moved the Jaguars up, but that you were still on Miami last week in Thursday Night Football. That proved to be true. I want to ask you, both in general and then with a specific team, what are the things that cause you to move up dramatically, right, with play over time? How far do you adjust players or teams? And might one of them be a switch at quarterback? What we have in Denver, right, QB3 going into this game on Thursday night. But we also have a quarterback change in Chicago. And I know you guys both think that Nick Foles would index the Chicago Bears team far better than Mitch Trubisky. So how do you handle a power rating when there's a quarterback switch like that in Chicago? Yeah, I normally have like 15 to 20 different analytical statistics that I put in the model that spit out these lines. And then on top of that, it's, you know, the eyeball test a little bit and uh, really big injuries and how it impacts the team. For for example, uh, I think Mitchell Trubisky is god awful and I'm a Nick Foles guy. So I upgraded them two points this week uh, compared to last week's power ratings because I, listen, do I think the Bears are as good as that record? Probably not. But they are such a better team with Nick Foles leading them at quarterback that I thought that they were worth uh, a multiple uh, point move up. And if we're talking about that game, first of all, I the, the analytics say that that Colts offense is bad. Okay. Number two, I think Philip Rivers is done. Number three, I would never back him on the road. And number four, tell me why the Chicago Bears can't win the game outright. 
So, of course I'm taking Kevin, do you want to try to tell him? No, obviously not. Here's the thing, right? I know that Dane values your opinion, Jay, as much as anybody out there. It's not that do. he doesn't value mine, but I just I said value yours as well. everything that you said to him on Monday. <laughs> because I'm like, this makes no sense. Philip Rivers shows up on the road to lay three. He lost to Jacksonville yeah. outright. That's a real thing 100%. that happened this year. Nick Foles is the best quarterback <laughs> in the league. Have we not been paying attention? Like, he's obviously the guy. I don't even think we have questions to ask on this. But on the same note, the question that I actually really want to ask, because I think there's a lot of value in the answer, Jay, the Broncos going from Driscoll to Rippon. My whole, I don't understand the move. Like, why is the line moving? They're either three-point favorites or they're one-and-a-half-point dogs. I don't care if it's Bortles, Rippon, or Driscoll. Did you end up moving this team drastically the way that the book did after they made the quarterback switch? Yeah, I think initially I moved them about one and a half points uh, worse, six points worse than an average team on, on a neutral field. And I have the Jets nine and a half points worse. But I don't think that I moved the Denver Broncos enough. Uh, I mean, that now they start QB3 in a team that's also decimated with injuries. Uh, I think if you were able to get the plus points on the Jets or you even took them on the money line around minus 110, minus 115, I think you're in a really good spot because I, I, I can't lay points with the New York Jets. You miss the number. You, you can only hope to get it live. Uh, right now, but if you did get the New York Jets earlier in the week, I think that you're in a really good spot. I think tonight's game will the loser probably gets the number one pick in the draft. And I heard Dane saying uh, earlier that Adam Gase has to go if he if he loses this game. No, I want him here all sixteen games. <laughs> I I I you want to lock I in that one pick. I need that number one pick, bro. Come right. on. My problem though with it, Jay, and you know, you know, we're, we're Jets fans here talking. I still, and maybe you will see oh, this very no. differently than me. I still believe in Sam Darnold. I still believe in Sam Darnold. I do. So if they get the number one pick, I want them to get the Oregon tackle, not the quarterback. Really, I do. Oh. But that's a different topic for a different day, Jay. Let me ask you this. Let me okay. ask you this. We're joking about these teams. We think they could be the one and two pick in the draft next year. So talk to me about the total in this game, Jay, because it's gone up from 39 and a half to 40 and a half. Meanwhile, I'm thinking this could be, you know, I'm thinking this could be 9-7 very easily. Um, what do you think about this total? I understand that perspective, and I, I can totally see that. Um, but what I will say is, number one, these teams are scoring at a substantial pace compared to last year so far. Uh, I think going into last week, they were scoring two and a half points more per game. After last week, I, I think it went up even more. And, you know, bad offenses still score on bad defenses. And when you're talking about a number at 40, 
you can accidentally go over that total. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I would, pr- I probably have a With slight a random punt return really kills you, right? Yeah, exactly. Or 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 the the muffed punt, the pick six. Or, or yeah, exactly right. So I would say I have a slight lean uh, to the over in this game. Probably not going to bet it, but if you had to ask me, I would have a slight lean to the over. Jay, before we let you get out of here, usually there's maybe a prop or two that might jump out to you. I know I've personally been looking at Frank Gore, which sounds hilarious, but like he has gone over the number he's currently booked at in both games as a starter, and they were monstrous dogs in both of those games, and they're actually favored in this one, so the game script might be in his favor. Are there any props that jump out to you for the Thursday night game? Well, what I will say is these totals are set really low. So mm-hmm. I I would say that we probably see a lot of these totals go over tonight. Um, I, I don't see why Sam Darnold couldn't throw for over 225 and a half yards at FanDuel right now uh, against a suspect defense with getting Crowder back. So I think that's an option. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon over 61 and a half rushing yards. Um, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind the Frank Gord rushing yard prop either. I would say probably uh, Sam Darnold over 225 um, if you had to pin me down. All right, fair enough, Jay. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us. It really sounds, from my vantage point, like you and Kevin are sharing the same heart, mind, (laughs) brain, and soul on a number of levels, and that's why I love you both. But to recap, you know, those were some leans, but Jay did give us Durandamay, pretty big, likes Aldana potentially as a dog on Saturday, and Condon, if not now, it could be the last hurrah for him, taking that class relief, almost just like in horse racing, When you go down a class, you should be able to beat the people in front of you. Thank you, Jay, as always, for spending a couple of minutes with us on this early line. We'll talk to you again next week, all right? Anything for you guys. Talk later. Thanks a lot, Jay. What do you think about that, Kev? You now have another member of the Nick Foles fan club to, you know, uh, rely on and set set meetings with. No, I mean, listen, it's... (laughs) <laughs> and look, it's growing. You'll you'll be joining soon enough. We have no worries about that. We anticipate. Here's my your... problem, though, Kev. I'm holding an under eight wins for the Bears, so I can't have him go that much. The thing is, right? You were warned. You were warned to to that that was not a great idea. There was always a world that Foles was going to come in. I get it. Listen, I get it, though. Right at the end of the day, you look at that team right now probably should be one and two. So, I look, I can't knock you for playing that under bet. They just happen to be three and oh, and they happen to go to polls sooner than I would. By the way, like, that is one of the things here. I was very surprised that they benched Trubisky in that game the way that they did. But good for them. It worked out. Absolutely. I will say this. The schedule for Nick Foles gets a little bit harder in the month of October, but that don't matter. When we come back, Kevin and I give you our final leans and plays on Thursday night football or into the weekend. We'll tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of The Early Line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Come on back for us with that. Stay on the grid right here on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin tying, like I say, a nice, neat little bow on this episode. We've tied a bow on September. Kev, can you believe we're in October? Really, like we got baseball playoffs going on, NBA finals, week four of an NFL season, college football coming back. It is crazy, yet we are all left to watch Jets-Broncos tonight on Thursday night football. There's no NBA finals game. It's like the spot where the Yankees would have been playing, but there is no game at that time frame. What do you think about this game? Ultimately, what play are you getting to the window on here on Thursday night football? I mean, seriously, like I really think – all of these overs in the props market. Like, you're not going to play every single one of them. You're going to want to narrow them down, but they're so low. Like, think about it. Like, I'll put it to you like this, Dane, right? And maybe if, if I get the answer, I'm hoping. This will put it in perspective for those at home. You expect the Jets to win this game, which means Brett Rippon will be playing from behind. Over 204 passing yards for a quarterback playing from behind. Is that not a play that you would be willing to make? It is with with the teams that are the this bad though. I, I got no idea. Remember, we've seen Cam Newton in good games throw for 160 yards, right? So yeah. it could be just so piss poor um, mm-hmm. that you know I don't know if I want to back any of these players, right? What I will back though, and I you know we may start tomorrow's show with how silly I feel about this. But give me the New York Jets minus a point and a half today. I just do not fundamentally believe, Kev. I I, I just can't get past it. I do not see how a QB3 on a short week traveling in a pandemic is going to be able to come on in here and get the job done. I think the Jets will be better on offense with Jamison Crowder there. Um, I think Sam Donald is still making plays. I think the Jets win this game, and a point and a half is not enough to throw me off this. If, however, this doesn't happen, I'm going to tell you right now, the words out of my mouth at 7.03 tomorrow morning Eastern time are going to be calling for Adam Gaze's head. It's just going to happen. But I'm going to remain optimistic. Give me the Jets minus one and a half tonight. Please. Please play them on the money line. I am begging you. I will send you the ten bucks. No, I don't want the twenty cents. No, the Jets are going to win fourteen thirteen today. They're going to win fourteen thirteen tonight. You will seventeen sixteen miserable. You will be miserable. Do and that'll make for good TV and radio tomorrow morning. I'm laying the point and a half, Kev. It don't matter. That's the edge here. Every cent matters. The morning after is up next. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.